are you guys sure you don't want to talk about this is us are you guys sure that you don't want to talk about this is us have you really thought about how much meat is i'm on not this emotionally is us ready to talk about this is us my 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 heart isn't in it i love this is us i mean what's I, not to love i bet uh characters welcome that's characters, what i think welcome to die yeah characters, i love watching people get picked off one by one milo ventimiglia Yep. Who, uh, who, of course, has created three iconic television roles. Gilmore Girls at this uh, point, second boyfriend. Gilmore Girls, second boy, boy, heroes, <laughs> fourth boyfriend, heroes, invincible story hole, Wait, and is he in Whitney. Was he in Whitney? Is <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people were asking right now. About a lot of people I don't think, no, that was Whitney. Chris Delilia. Last night. Guy. After the big game, we all tuned in to watch this father of three die. And the thing that he tweeted after that was, just so everyone knows it, hashtag Jack Pearson, I guess that's his character from the show, lives in all our hearts. He's you. He's me. He's us. Thank you for supporting the show. Jack Pearson, a character from a program I do not enjoy, lives in my heart. I didn't realize with Jesus already in there that yeah. there would be room for Jack Pearson from This Is Us as well. Hanging but he out. is apparently in there. You'd think you could find Jesus a better roommate in your heart. Also, what's the square footage of your heart? Because it's got to be getting cramped well, in there. It could be like a duplex. I think it's fine. The There's four things that li live in my heart are Milo Ventimiglia and Jesus. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the month. <laughs> My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the month. My name is Chris Plant, and I know the best game of the month. My name is Russ Frustick, and I know the best game of 2018. Welcome to the Besties, where we celebrate the latest and greatest in pop culture, this history, is us. news. This is us. This is us. The, the guys who talk about fashion. And sports, the big game. Going to do a recap of that at some point. But this week, we're going to focus in on really drill down on video games. Um, I was watching my nephew, Pierre uh played one of these yesterday. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, folks, they have come a long way since Pac-Man. Yeah, I definitely need to mention here that I, I did change my son's name to Pierson, <laughs> so Justin was not lying there. Um, <laughs> took a while. His, his full name is Jack Pierson. McElroy. Um, Video games, man. Video games. I don't think it's the January 2017 was so buck wild. I don't know if 2018 quite lived up to it, but man, it was a good old month, huh? It was a good little it, month. It was. There's a lot of games that came out this month. Does anybody have any um, honorable mentions? That I, I have a huge one. It kind of breaks my heart that we didn't have like room for it in the proper discussion, but it's a game I wanted to talk about because I was so like um, entranced by it uh, was Iconoclasts. Um, it is a, it's a, it's out on, I think steam and like console download stores. Um, it's by, oh gosh, Joaquim, I can't remember his full name, but he, he basically worked on it, um, solo for a long time. The game's been in the works for like a decade and now it's finally out. Um, and this is the developer behind the, uh, Noitu Love, uh, 
games, I think it's a series. I'm not like very familiar with with his body of work before Iconoclast. Um, but it is a really, really cool game. It's like a story driven, like surprisingly heavily story driven um uh, like platformer action adventure game uh, where it, it takes place in this sort of dying world with this sort of um, religious monarchy uh, where there is like a, a, a mother who's sort of a deity who talks to this space god who governs the things that happen on the planet. And it has a lot of things to say about like how these different uh, uh, different sort of societies uh have conflict despite the fact that they kind of believe in sort of the same stuff and the it, it drills down really deep into how this religion like governs this world um and on top of that like it's a it's like a really good little metroidvania game with like really cool uh like mechanics and a really satisfying feeling like upgrade path you find like different weapons different guns and uh like an upgradable wrench that you can use for not only combat but like some platforming and puzzle solving stuff too um I, I played through all of it in like three days and i i was i was in love um yeah i played it i played a couple hours of it and, and really liked it uh, it reminded me of cave story and yes in so absolutely. Far as it was like story centric metroidvania um and with like interesting boss fights and stuff like that but also like actual cutscenes and fun like musical cues for enemies and yeah um yeah they they obviously put a lot of love into the, it the cave the, story comparison really hit for me also because it, it it like cave story is a game that kind of on the surface just looks like kind of a cute pixel platformer but actually has like a really like ocean deep lore for you to yeah. for you to dig into and it's like really really great like the world is so rich and and well developed yeah this episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Um, another game that I wanted to mention for honorable mention is a game called Darkest Dungeon, which came out like a hundred years, years ago. ago on pc uh and i never played it but it came to switch and i put it on switch uh this month and it's very very overwhelming but cool and interesting and like really high production value it's basically an rpg 
strategy game where you are command you're basically running an rpg town for all intents and purposes and sending people out to like on on missions and then you get a percentage of their spoils as it were and it's kind of an interesting shift because like when i normally play these sorts of games i play them like perfectly oh i lost a guy uh i can't you know i'll just reload a save but in this a you can't because it auto saves almost constantly and b it's actually counter uh to like making money like you're supposed to be like be willing to sacrifice people and people go insane by like witnessing too many horrors it's got like a cthulhu thing and so you can like basically sacrifice people and be like well he wasn't doing great anyway i'm gonna yeah. send him in and i'll still uh get some money out of it um yeah i and it's obviously for switch it's great because it's you know 2d you can stop at any point turn-based um just really a uh, good fit for the platform so. I, i've tried three times to play that game because everything about it is so absolutely my jam yeah but i find myself so turned off by how like if you have a bad run and lose several of your of your heroes in like one dive it it always feels so punishing to me like yeah. in, a, in a way that it, is not like it makes me kind of not want to keep going because then it makes me think like well if it doesn't really it's sort of a and i'm not saying that like roguelike sort of these types of mechanics which i'm not necessarily sure this would qualify but anywhere where you can like lose a ton of progress if you fuck up too bad like there's a way to do that that works and there's a way to do that that just makes it feel like kind of disrespectful of the time that i'm trying to invest in it sure yeah um i I think it's a very very good game and it's it's highly lauded but i just don't uh yeah I, i find myself bouncing off of it the first time i have a run where i'm like well i fucked up and i have to start over yeah no, that's that's fair. It's it is punishing, more punishing than a lot of uh, roguelikes, and I think it's again hard. you have to wrap your head around like I don't care about these people. I just care about my town, and with that in mind, what can I do to like further enhance my town, even if it means dying a bunch? But yeah, uh, I played an interesting one, and I will admit I didn't sink a ton of time into this, but I did play a, a quite a few rounds and and really dug it. It's called SOS. Oh um, yeah. Oh, do, are you familiar? I am familiar. I've watched a lot of video of it, trying to get it streamable, but I don't think we could ever stream it. No, it's 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 rough. So like, okay, so basic premise is it's sort of a it's it's stylized like a TV show. Um, you have uh, I should talk about mechanically first. So there's uh, 16 people dropped onto an island, uh, and on this island there are uh, these five relics that you can collect. You have to get one, a successful run means finding one of these relics, calling in a chopper, and then getting off the island. Uh, and while you're, as you're on the island, you're kind of scrambling looking for weapons or uh, ammo or, you know, uh, health, that kind of thing. Um, and there are animals and monsters on the, on the island that you have to deal with. Um, 16 people all dropped off at different points. Um, and, and the interesting thing about it that keeps it from being... Uh, really similar at all from like a, it it may sound like a battle Royale mixed with like dust or what have you. Uh, but the, the thing that makes it really different is it really encourages, um, social play in a way that I think is really cool. It, it, um, like when you find someone, you can start an alliance by, uh, raising your hand. And if they raise their hand also, and the two of you high five, you're immediately like joined into an alliance. There mm-hmm. are um, like a, there's a walkie talkie with different channels on it. And people in your alliance can like all decide that they're going to go on a different channel. 
um, and and use the walkie-talkie to stay in communication. Or if you're close to people, you can you can talk to them that way. Um, so it creates a lot of these really tense moments where like you see someone coming at you and you have to make a really quick decision. Like, well, am I going to befriend this person? Are they going to try to befriend me? Are they going to try to try to get close and then put me down? Um, it, it's really tricky. And the, it, it really like, um, there's like an audience sponsor element to it too, right? Yeah. yeah. So when you die or you can just join the audience, one way or the, like just join the audience or when you die you're placing the audience and you can actually award players for not great technical play like not great skill gameplay but great performance um and and you build like a reputation for how good your performance is so like and every time i played the vast majority almost everybody was using a microphone and like there's an introductory sequence right where it goes person to person and the camera like uh, focuses in on each player for like three seconds and it tells you when your time is going to come up and then you get like three seconds to just like pitch who you are like what your thing is um, and there are a lot of people who are playing like actual real characters I was in a game once where a guy was just acting like the Joker which was very because <laughs> we were all working together and this guy's like I'll be fine with the real like you can trust me like very <laughs> like very creepy and fun um, and it does a lot of cool stuff like if you it tracks what kind of player you are so when you get introduced it says like you're not very loyal like you turn on people or you're very mm. generous like you give to people a lot and if there's a, a two players in a game which I saw several times two players in a game where one of them turned on the other one they will actually get a little uh moment where it's like the two of them standing across the fire from one another where they can like kind of talk to each other it's like last game what's his face betrayed this guy and like they they can talk about it for for a second so you get to see like oh shit it's you That's i'm so totally good. gonna it's so good um it's, so what percentage of what you've played has been like horrible slurs so the interesting thing about it is i saw like none of that there there are some people who i would say their their portrayal is maybe a little uh Problem, deaf, problematic problematic portrayals yeah. <laughs> but because it's not really a game of like how good are you at shooting or what have you like the the game is playing that role like it's really there's no point to playing it like it doesn't attract the sort of people i think that would just get on there to to grief um you are, and, you are incentivized actively to not be a dickhead exactly or if you're going to be a dickhead like be a dickhead in character like it it is not telling everybody to be good guys you could be a total scumbag but you do have to be like a consistent character of a scumbag yeah sure how how close does this get to being the survivor video game <sighs> adaptation that you've always wanted um the plus, uh, the pluses are that um, people are really good with everybody using the voice <laughs> chat. Um, I plugged in my headset, and I didn't even have it plugged in at first because, you know, like, I'm a human being and I live on the internet. So, like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do voice chat. But everybody is. Like, it would be weird to not play this game with voice chat. I think that you would probably just end up uh, – you, you would be at a real deficit because you wouldn't be able to sort of, like, wheel and deal. Um, the, the games that I saw, like I, I saw fairly consistently, like people who were in an alliance and then there's only three seats on the chopper. So yeah. if you have four people working together, like something's going to happen. <laughs> like so, so, <laughs> somebody's that's, that's gonna, that survivor shit. Like somebody's going to get got. Yeah. 
I, I, I've not checked this one out, but I really want to. Uh, real, real quick before we move on for like 30 seconds, because we're going to talk about this again in a few, in a couple months. Uh, the Sea of Thieves beta was f- fucking fantastic. Uh, I, I still want to know like what the sort of uh, continuing progression loops really feel like, if that's going to hook me. And hopefully they will add some more enemies, like NPC enemies, because killing skeletons over and over again is apparently not especially entertaining uh, yeah. I, I guess the kraken is in there somewhere we just like never found oh, really? it while we were sailing around but we, we streamed hmm. it a couple times in like big groups and i played it a couple times by myself on like a one person ship and just sailing around that game is so good like i've not i mean wave wise there's never been more realistic water effects ever well like it's in, in Yes, and managing that by yourself when you're on like a one-person ship is really exciting because you are just running around the ship, like making little corrections here and there to try to get your ship as going as as smooth as possible. But working with a, a full crew of four people and like having one person steering and one person on the front of the ship, making sure you're not going to run into anything, and one person on the map downstairs, making sure you're going in the right direction, and one person uh, raising and lowering s- s- uh, sails and turning them in the correct direction to catch the wind is like. It is so fun, and when it clicks, it feels like nothing I've ever really played before. Like it genuinely feels like you are out on on open water, just like yeah. working working together to do this difficult thing. It is, it yeah, is so it really fun. Felt great. Uh, it actually kind of reminded me of a, a Destiny raid a little bit, in insofar as everyone had very disparate uh, tasks but everyone was working for a greater good and had to be very vocally coordinating with one another. So I, I yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, but again, well, I think it comes out in March. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll dive we'll into it more then. Uh, who wants to start or does somebody else I'll have go, another? I'll go first. Okay. Unless someone has another honorable mention. Nope. Three, nope. two, one. Okay. Go Celeste <laughs> is the game that I'm going to talk about. Celeste is a game made by Matt Thorson, who made a game that I believe I, really really tried to get to win besties like three years ago which was towerfall he it, prob- made that. it probably should have i forget what beat it like probably dishonored yeah. or something like that yeah that sounds about right that sounds very besties um so matt made this game um in towerfall there was actually a lot of uh platforming stuff um like weird like trial challenges and stuff like that and you could tell that he was kind of stretching his uh experience uh insofar as he wanted to bring some of the stuff he learned from towerfall on the platforming in that game to a, a an entirely focused platforming game which is celeste um it is a 2d i want to say like 16-bit looking um platforming game uh where you play as this hiker that is trying to climb up a mountain and um to that end you basically just have a, an air dash and a jump and the ability to like climb up vertical surfaces and that's it and um like any good platformer it it slowly but surely introduces uh different mechanics whether that's as simple as like a trampoline or as complicated as like um you know uh, a, a piece of energy that you can pick up and then suddenly you can fly in any direction for a few seconds um, so like as a platformer, I think it's like a very well designed, very smartly designed platformer. Uh, it's very hard, but not punishingly. So, uh, I think just about anyone could get through it without using the included assist mode, which makes the game like super, super easy. That gives but, you like infinite air dashes yeah. and makes it so that you just bounce when you hit a, a pit at the bottom of the yeah. screen. I'm sure there are people that like, uh, actually I know Allegra, for example, on staff 
use that because she found the uh, platforming to be too stressful. And that's fine. Like, if you want to do that, that's totally Cause, reasonable. Cause the game itself is kind of cool. Like, this, this story yeah. of, of your character and why they're climbing the mountain and the things they learn as they climb it and the people they meet is like, it's actually like, there's a lot of game there. It's not just like a dialogue free platformer. Like, there's, it has yeah. something to say. Right. That was, I think, the biggest standout element for me, apart from like gorgeous, um, uh, graphics and uh, really great score it did something that like most raw platformers do not even attempt which is to have a story to have interesting characters to have like depth in on that front so i thought that was um absolutely excellent they really did an amazing job there um yeah i, I know plant you played a lot of it what what was your sort of take uh i like how forgiving it is i i mean so I don't know how to sound this without sounding like a jerk. I, I, I felt like it was a surprisingly easy game, but this is, I think, coming from having played a lot of Massacre games, um, and I never felt like there was that much of a challenge um, until maybe the end and the B-sides. I know Those B-sides, man. The B-sides are, are real. But the thing that I did not appreciate on my own was all of the uh, the... What are what are the alternate controls called, Fresh? The forgiveness controls? Assist mode? Assist mode? The assist mode. Like, how much that has helped other people play it, who I've recommended it to. And I've seen the the sheer variety of assist mode is what I think is really impressive. Because I, I have seen some people on our team play it uh, with infinite jumps. I've seen some people play it who just changed that the speed of the game helped a lot, like bumping it to 80%. Um... And the ability to kind of like alter it when you need it and get rid of it when you don't is really interesting. And I think in some ways it makes a lot of sense because the way the strawberries, especially if you're playing for like earning the little st strawberries throughout the stage. these They're, um, they're like meaningless, like pickups just to show off like, hey, I got uh, 80 strawberries. But I at first I was like, oh, well, what's the point of the strawberries if you have assist mode? But what I realized is so much of the strawberries are kind of like puzzles where yeah. you, you figure out how to do it, and then sometimes your skill can't match it, but you know how to do it. And assist yeah. mode, I think, lets people kind of solve those puzzles um, and enjoy like that discovery without feeling like, oh, well, I just don't have these absurdly developed reflexes from being a total shut-in. Um, yeah. Like myself and well, everybody on this the, call. The pacing and structure of the game is so smart and so digestible where basically you only need to put in like perfect inputs especially and i'm talking about like the b-sides the regular game is a, a little bit more forgiving uh but some of the some of the levels are uh really difficult especially when you're being like chased by a essentially an enemy that if it touches you you die you you basically have to, you have to be on point during yeah. that um but but the pacing of the game is really digestible because you like each room really only takes like 20 seconds or so of like really or less of really good platforming to clear and if you die you just start at the beginning of that room and you can uh there's like a, check, a checkpoint system so if you miss something you can just hop back in to whatever like section of each level you want to get into and it's really fun just like attempting doing attempt after attempt after attempt of a room until you find that perfect you know yeah. 15 20 seconds that you need to to complete it like that that loop is really satisfying and, and not like not super punishing either Th right. that ability to restart like 
I, I don't know. So when I when I was playing th it through the first time, it seems obvious at this point the instant restart uh, mechanic for these games. But on the flip side, I've been playing Descenders, which I can't go a ton into, but I think I can speak about it like in a preview sense uh, that is coming out, I don't know, around the time that this episode will go live. And the, for people who don't know it, it's by the people who did Action Hank. It is this downhill uh, off-road biking game, and it's really, really fun. But one of the downsides is it's incredibly punishing for when you screw up, as in you can reverse your progress. So if you are just trying to learn it or you want to take like a really big risk and do a wild jump um, and you eat up your lives on a round going down the mountain, you can at your character can actively get worse. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah. Your XP, That's crazy. It, it goes in the opposite direction. So there's a there's like a mode where you can turn that off and practice. But it, it, it just feels really bizarre. Um to have that on really hardcore games and i like i said it seems like an assumed thing but it, it is not it is very much a choice that i think matt made that yeah. pays off really well and makes you never feel terrible and, same with and, making strawberries not mandatory yeah and it being on switch again like i feel like we despite the fact the switch has been out for a year now like it's worth saying like it's perfect like it is a perfect game yeah. for switch especially in these little digestible chunks it is a really nice game to just like pick up and start you know, trying to knock out a few rooms and then put it back down. And it is, it, you just it took come right me, back to it. Just speaking of the B-sides for a second, because I do agree, like, the the main game is not that hard. Uh, it's probably, like, six, seven hours, I would say, for most people. Um, one of the B-sides took me the entire length of 500 Days of Summer, <laughs> which was on, I just mm. left it on Netflix as I was playing on, on uh, the couch. And... I was just stuck on this same... I died 200 times on the same level. So I like the fact that the B-sides like are, are separate. There's not an obligation to do them. Um, I like that they're super hard and they give people that Massacre-like itch. The um, only thing that I kind of critique in terms of the difficulty in game structure is that when you beat the game, um, there's a level that's locked. And the only way to unlock that level is to get four crystal hearts which are these hearts that are you know they're collectibles essentially and the most obvious way to get hearts is to finish b-sides uh there are also hidden hearts throughout the levels um that are uh you know off the beaten path and pretty tough to find um so technically if you don't have like extreme platforming skill you could still get these crystal hearts but this last level that's lo unlocked or locked is actually one of the best if not my favorite level in the game and it's kind of weird that it would be so inaccessible to most people. I think a lot of people will like get to the end and be like, I didn't see a single crystal heart. I'm just going to stop now. And so that was kind of a weird choice. But um, overall, I think it's a great game. Uh, cool. Who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go. Um, the game that I uh, am bringing this month is called Subnautica. And this is one that I kind of picked up a little bit on a whim uh, just because there'd been a lot of discussion about it uh, sort of before it was released. And I think it finally came out of uh, early access. This Yeah, it's been in early access for like two years. I yeah, it's say. been a long time. Um, uh, so basically it's a sort of survival crafting sort of thing, not unlike, I know I referenced it earlier, but this is a better comparison of like Dust or... You mean Rust? 
Rust. Yeah, Rust. It's not Dust. The Dust is the anime uh, Metroidvania. Right. Uh, and the, like, CCP first-person shooter, right? Um, yes. So, uh, Rust, uh, uh, or Minecraft, or what have you. Not not really that much like Minecraft. So, you're dropped off in the middle of the ocean. You have a base uh, that is really just a floating escape pod that has within it a crafting station and some storage and a radio that you get occasional transmissions to and you're you're dropped off with very little guidance as to to what to do it's very much you're only but this is sort of exploration you see a giant ship in the uh background uh that you that you might be able to access but that looks like the ship that crashed and dropped you off of it um, but that's really your only waypoint, and really the, 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 the only charge to you at the beginning is to sort of explore and expand your capabilities to explore. And uh, that happens through, I guess, a loop that's fairly traditional for games like this. You go and look for items that are going to increase your ability to survive, or, uh, for example, um, you need water and food uh, so you can swim after uh, little animals and fish that are swimming through the ocean and grab them and then take them back to your base and um, one of the fish you can turn into bottles of water and the rest you can cook up and eat. Um, There are plants that can be turned into rubber or uh, uh, minerals that you find uh, in the ocean that you can use to build new equipment, like a new tank that lets you stay underwater longer. Um, and as you as you sort of progress, um, it, it it is a very satisfying. I think more than any of these I've ever played. Um, it is while it gives you very little guidance, it's very easy to sort of create goals for yourself that feel really meaningful. Like uh, I today, I'm going to go out and make myself a one of these little hovercrafts and there are like a bunch of different items you need to find to get it together but like swimming through the ocean trying to find the stuff you need to put those together um is really pleasurable and really encourages like experimentation it tells you very little like in terms of hey you should try this now um and you're really left to your own devices but it's really easy to say like oh cool like better flippers to help me swim fast that's neat i'm gonna go figure that out um and it's not really that inscrutable in terms of finding this stuff. It's really about like j- just kind of poking around for it. And the whole time you're like avoiding sea life that is uh, a huge threat to you and, uh, you know, trying to manage your water and uh, hunger levels. Um, this sounds a lot like No Man's Sky. Is that okay? You, so, so, yes. The good thing though is, unlike No Man's Sky, you can turn off most of those things that you're required to do like you can yeah. basically just oxygen that's how you i'm can. playing it and it you is can here's enjoyable. what i want to say yes so i think the comparison to no man's sky is very accurate i think this game does what no man's sky was trying to do so much better than no man's sky did which is to say it makes progression and exploration feel very satisfying as justin alluded to i personally think that the survival stuff is not so incapacitating um, and I kind of, it's pretty benign. It's pretty benign. It's I would pretty, say it's that not you, like frustrating to the point where you're constantly starving or needing water and stuff like that. You would be well served though. I, I think at least I kind of agree with Chris. I wish I had done this, but I've gone too far 
down the rabbit hole. Um, you can turn off water and food concerns, and I think that's like very legit way to play, and I, yeah. I would recommend it because it's like it's not that it's the same stuff. Um, but it, I mean, there's ways to make it a little better, but like by and large, it's go out and grab some fish and turn them into food. Yeah, and water. you just go faster. Uh, the 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 um the thing that I really was amazed by was that like. At the start, I was expecting, like, No Man's Sky, like, oh, well, whatever, you have a, a base and you craft stuff. And I was surprised at, like, how many uh, mechanics slowly get layered in to make it a much more complex a complex experience. Like, I thought, oh, whatever, it's it's pretty straightforward. And then they start adding base building and ship creation and, like, all sorts of stuff that they only, like, alluded to at the beginning but really was not the reason you were there it it's i think they did an amazing job and it really game. and 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 to to I, honestly the no man's sky thing had not even occurred to me but it, i guess it is sort of legit um the other thing i would say though is that you the exploration in no man's sky really boiled down a lot of the time to something boring <laughs> like you find another yeah. boring, exclusively to not boring, boring thing in in this game, when you find something new, it's like it, a lot of times, and and being underwater helps with that because I, I I find that I find that really sort of like awesome in the literal sense of the word and terrifying. But like when you find a new place in Subnautica, it can be like, oh shit! Like this is yeah. really you. One of the first times I was in uh, that deep water, uh, I came across a, I mean skyscraper sized fish so big that you could harvest stuff off of the top of its shell and it yeah. was terrifying i took a wrong turn in a cave while i was looking for something and found a huge cavern full of glowing pink mushrooms the size of buicks um yeah. and and like it you want to explore that stuff you There's want to go find uh those things and you get these beacons uh that are basically yeah. like um alerts or uh, uh, messages from people that were have also crashed and you get beacons alerting you to where they are um, and those often lead to like new tech that you can that you can build out like build a little mini sub or something like that or you can uh, they'll lead you to like little story kind of things but like if it, it helps to guide and uh, and push things along juice do you know if uh, the map is like procedurally generated at all uh, or is it hand handmade? The map. Um, yeah, I think it's hand. I, I think it's handmade. I think I, which I, yeah. obviously is part of the reason why it sort of stands out. You know, they didn't. You know, if you're handcrafting something, obviously it's going to be much more identifiable. Um, yeah, I, I was wondering about that just be, because you're right. Like No Man's Sky. Like once you've been to six planets, you've seen everything there is to offer it. Uh, not to mention like the animals start getting redundant. But here I was like. Um, there was a fish that was like looking at me and then I heard my, sh uh, my suit computer go like, you should approach that fish. And it was like pulling me in. And, uh, once I got close enough, I saw the fish was called a mesmer and it was like hypnotizing me to approach it so that it could eat my face off. Like that is freaking cool. Yeah. It's really cool. They do such a good job. <laughs> um, it's really neat. Like all the, all the, uh, there's so many cool little vignettes and like, I really liked the, the loop of upgrading stuff. It felt very yeah. satisfying to me. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, I just Googled also, apparently there's a VR version, which I would be yes. very curious. To well, the out. main version you can play in VR. I didn't have the balls to try it. 
Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't have the setup for it currently, but it sounds kind of perfect for it though. Like this sounds exactly like my favorite favorite type of game here. It sounds I've really good. About, yeah. I've read about some people bouncing off of it, and I think it's because it doesn't necessarily walk you in very well. Um, but if you enjoy that idea of like exploring the ocean, um, I think it's like it's it does it has a great sense of like. Uh, you get this in Minecraft sometimes with like these survival things like, oh man, I am, and you never got the snowman sky, this sense of like, oh, I am way, I'm out way too far. Yeah. I should not be here. And like, there's something about having that feeling underneath the ocean where it's like, oh, sh like I am really, really boned at this exact moment <laughs> and I got to find a way to get back. But there's some cool stuff that I w really want to look at down there. So maybe I'll push this a little bit farther. Um, but I, I really, I really dug it. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties you go get a phone you just want a phone to talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech you know the contract may sound good uh, up front but there's always some sort of catch you know who's not going to do that to you I'm not going to pull that nonsense mint mobile they're wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com besties additional taxes Fees and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Uh, yeah, it's freaking awesome. Russ, you mentioned you had something for halftime. And when you say that, I need you to know my anxiety 
um, uh, spikes. Pretty well, this high. is just me. This is there's no there's no one joining us uh, this week. I I just and when you to say so, when you say that like the anxiety spike, I need you to know, my friend, does not get any more shallow because I've been fooled like more times than I can count, and each one hurts <laughs> really bad. As far as I'm aware, it's just me. Um, I uh, had a bit of a situation yesterday regarding hot wings that I wanted to share with you guys. <laughs> for perfect, time. perfect, perfect. <laughs> Right okay, on so, a scale of one to ten, the amount of butt-related material I'm about to no, endure. No, no, no butt-related material. Okay, I mean I had butt-related, but I'm, that was not. The I focus regularly of this story. get texts from Russ about his poops. I mean, I don't mean that as a joke. I mean, like every couple of weeks, if Russ has an exceptional dookie, <laughs> I'll get a text about it. Yeah, well, yeah, either pro or con. Hashtag, but in this case, friend, no. Hashtag friend goals. <laughs> um the uh so i went to buffalo wild wings Aww. a local establishment uh in my uh town here to procure, procure some wings for the super bowl now uh i went a day early uh because yeah, everybody because loves day old wings for the big no i know i went a day or put the to put the order in because i knew how much demand there would be on super bowl night i was having people over i wanted to have wings so i i was very responsible and put the order in early i showed up at 5 30 and i want you to picture buffalo wild wings is like in case people aren't aware it's like a sports bar <laughs> um there must uh, be McDonald's, people that have never been see anywhere, they, they sell hamburgers and fries is really that many people have been into Buffalo Wild Wings? It, it, if you, I don't if know. You've watched a sporting event, you've seen like a trillion VW3. Sure. Commercial. Well, imagine that Buffalo, the TV friendly Buffalo Wild Wings that you've seen on television. Got it. But on the inside, it's the Thunderdome because the wings, all wings, have been delayed by two and a half hours. Oh my God. Oh. There is a crowd. They have people in a pen. So there's the normal restaurant part of Buffalo Wild Wings. And then off to the corner, there is a pen with seating like the DMV for about 30 to 35 people. Uh, there are about 60 people crowded oh, into this no. pen, all with receipts, all screaming in Queens accents at poor people working there saying, where the fuck are my wings? What's going on? It is absolute fucking mayhem. Okay. So I put my order in. It was supposed to be ready at 5.30. They're like, hmm, come back at 6.15. Meanwhile, I have people coming to my house at 5.45, figuring this is all going to go smoothly. So I leave. Uh, I get my wife to, to hold down the fort, and I come back 45 minutes later. This, the crowd has doubled. It's like people are out the door screaming, yelling, kicking. This is not Philadelphia. No one cares about the Super Bowl. This is just about wings. It is total chaos. Okay. In front of all these people that are in this pen, there are bags, plastic bags, piled high with other orders. Now, these are orders that have not been picked up yet. Did you witness buffalo wing theft, Russ Frustick? I might have committed Did you com buffalo. No, Russ Frustick. Frustick. Okay, let me let me let me lay it out. I'm gonna oh. lay out the situation and see if you think I did the wrong thing. Yes. Yeah, I, can I can I answer now? <laughs> Do we have to wait to the end to answer? Or can we answer now? You can answer now, and maybe you'll regret it. You did the wrong thing. I'm not going to regret it. Go ahead. Okay, so let's let's also keep in mind I have eight to ten people in my apartment waiting to eat. Uh, don't try no to justify your crime, there, Jean Valjean. <laughs> I needed the Buffalo Wild Wings to feed my family. <laughs> okay, so I go back there. Um. All the tickets are out. There's probably like, yeah, 15, 20 like bags just sitting in the front of the table. Now, each of the bags are labeled based on what time they were supposed to be picked up. Mine for 530, obviously. 
But there was another bag that was labeled 4 p.m. And it had been there for two hours and had about what my order was, give or take. 50 wings, mango and sweet barbecue. Close enough. So you just you got ca- you got a little confused you got can a little I, confused I, wink wink you got a little yeah. confused about which was yours was that the, yeah. was that the excuse that you created in your head for when somebody's like hey get that nerd um what, well what, yeah what about the additional details of that story that you just told us made you think that I would then think it was an acceptable thing to do the fact that it's it well, closer mango, to I don't know if you're mango right yeah. you well, a, a the mango and B I would say I don't know if you're aware Griffin. But there is uh, a food crisis on this earth. And whenever I hear of food being wasted, mm. a tear rolls down my eye. Yeah, but you're not so, like, you're not food Batman. This person's going to show up looking for their thing and they're not going to. Are they going to show up? You, they, they were supposed to show up two hours before yeah, to pick up their wings. I mean, New York City traffic, baby, best in the world. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that's a good accent. So, like, they're not going to know unless you left a note like, hey, Jim. If the you're bag right. comes out for Russ Fresh Deck, you did theft and you did a crime. And the fact you're bragging about it kind of disgusts me. I'm not bragging about it. I'm saying, what would you do? What, what, what would you do? Oh, I would wait politely for my wings that they made for me with love and care and attention for me, Griffin, to be ready, not steal. But they're two hours late. That doesn't matter. It's still. There's also, there's an entire group of people in my apartment that I care a lot more about than random person that didn't pick up their wings for two hours. Oh, I see. It's an act of charity, really. If you think, if you really yes. boil it down. I'm a giver. He cared it too much. To. Yeah, that's his problem. <laughs> All right, well, um, I'm going to call the cops. Turns out the wings were too spicy, and I got a tummy ache. Well, that's God So that's you. karma. Yeah. Uh, I've called the cops. They'll be there soon. I actually oh, had no. a similar tragic story, though mine and mine, I'm the victim. Um, <laughs> we, we were worried about a similar thing over at Sydney's parents' house, so we actually ordered our... Um, our pizza at like four, assuming it's going to be a shit show. It's going to take that four would be the, the latest four the same day, right? Four o'clock the same day. I guess it's going to okay. be a couple so hours. You were That's even fine. less responsible than me. Sure. Yeah, we'll eat, we'll eat at six. Um, and the, the pizza arrived at four forty-five. Oh and no. It was tragic because I can't imagine. I'm going to get choked up. I can't remember <laughs> a time in my life. When I've ever seen pizza being delivered, and thought, ah, not yet. You know, yeah. like I've never thought, like, ah, a little too soon. I've never <laughs> met that moment with anything other than just like sheer relief, relief and delight. And I, I had this experience where I was like, ah, oh, pizza, not yet. What? <laughs> it was heartbreaking. I it even the Eagles win, and you know how much I love football. Even yeah. the Eagles win couldn't was no balm for it. It was really it was really a tragedy. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank um, you. Chris and I are bringing very similar games now that I think about it. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Uh, you can go first. All right. So I'm bringing Monster Hunter World, uh, which is a game I've been looking forward to for a long time. Basically, since the, I think they announced it last year at at some point i remember seeing a presentation for it at e3 and being very excited for it and then it just kind of snuck up on me because it came out last friday or, or the friday before last um if you have not played a monster hunter game quick pitch is it's a game all about 
uh, these big boss fights where you take down these monsters, you pursue them and locate them uh, in these various territories, and the territories are full of other sort of endemic, smaller uh, creatures and uh, resources that you can gather. And then when you find the monster, you have a big fight with them, big, very technical a uh, very sort of precision requiring fight uh, that if you are successful in, you get to carve them up or you can capture them and then you get their parts and you can use those parts to craft uh, or upgrade weapons and armor and then rinse, rinse and repeat. Basically, as the fights get harder, the monsters get bigger and you pr- progress down sort of the story or unlock new optional hunts that you can go after just for more resources that you can uh, use on your gear. Um, and that that loop exists in some way in most RPGs, right? Especially these days where there's a, like, every fucking game has crafting in it, basically, at this point. Uh, but Monster Hunter was early in this sort of pursuit and uh, in, in various points in the franchise, this loop has been anywhere from like almost completely incomprehensible and player unfriendly and punishing and shitty to where it is now in Monster Hunter World, which is, in in my opinion, like actually very approachable uh, and very fun. Um, I, I started playing with Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, which was the 3DS game that came out. Uh, I don't know, five or so years ago, and then I got really into Generations, the other 3DS game, and then this is the third one I've played, and the the the, the thing that really stands out, first of all, it looks and plays f- fucking fantastic. It is very pretty. Like, playing this game at 60 frames a second is, like, really something else, because um, I know people are kind of tired of the, the Souls comparison, but that is a game all about these big boss animations and uh, player animations being like flawless in this 60 frame window uh where everything feels everything has such a good feel because of that and and monster hunter world really benefits because of that like it feels really uh really good to play there's 14 different weapon types and like each one that's like the main decision you make because each one handles differently and is sort of equivalent to like how you pick a class in another sort of class-based rpg and for the first time like i want to play all 14 weapons because they are all like a lot of fun in very very different ways um but but on top of all that stuff the thing that monster hunter world really brings to the table is dozens and dozens of these quality of life improvements to make that that pursuit of uh finding a mission or joining a multiplayer mission finding the monster you need to fight killing it and then getting the stuff you need to make new stuff like so much easier than it has been in the past i cannot stress it enough like one one big example um is in past monster hunter games once you sort of there's like a central hub and that exists in in world too uh but whenever you go out on a mission from that central hub at that point your equipment loadout is locked your item loadout is locked there is no way to like change what weapon you want to use okay uh, i saw a tooltip that said you could change it in camp yeah and i you can do that in world now. That's that is what I'm saying. And if you okay. go back to camp, I, where Monster do you Hunter do world, that? Where uh, do you do a little, it? There's a little tent. You just pop oh, into okay. your tent. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so, but that's a big improvement. Like in past games, you spend some money to like buy a meal, and you eat that meal to like get a buff, and then you maybe you spend some money to purchase the right to go out on a quest. Another thing that world has done away with. Uh, and then you go out on the quest, and you realize like, oh shit, I brought the wrong weapon. Well, abandon quest. Let's yeah. start over. And in world, like you don't have to do that. It it drastically cuts down the need to go back to that central hub even if you complete the mission you can just pop right back to that the the starting zone of the area you were in and just jump right into another mission it is yeah. so much faster and so much better than it ever has oh. been if i, if I can hit one that i i not to like list a bunch of these but like they this is what makes this game 
uh, such a vast improvement. Like whetstones, uh, yeah. which used to be a resource that you would use to sharpen your weapon, which you have to do a lot. Uh, is now just a permanent item that you can use as many times as you want to. Tracking is huge. Like the, the, the it, you used to have to, it, you used to have to randomly, find yeah. randomly find the monster and then throw this thing called a paint berry at it. Did you remember to bring paint berries? I hope you did, <laughs> because you have to throw a paint berry at it, and then you can track the monster on the map. But also, the getting around the map is inscrutable, and also uh, the paint berries wear off. After a certain amount of time, so like you have to remember when you see the monster, like how long has it been since I threw the paintberry at them? I better throw another one just to be sure. Like miserable. And now you have little flies that when you tell it, I want to see this monster, it, they will fly to it. But like, and they will show you a, a glittering path directly to the monster. But the thing that's cool about it is that the, it, it isn't just, um, it isn't just like nerfed. It isn't just like, well, this is easy now. The when you're in the world, you find things like monster tracks and scales and uh, uh, stuff like that, that that actually improves your scout flies, which is what that's called. It improves their ability to find the monsters. So, like, you do need to be smart and thorough and, like, like an actual hunter, like, learn how to track this stuff yeah. before that stuff and improves. The, and the fact it's, in, huge, in, it's hugely in, improved. In past games, there were no, like, footprints you find. There were no trails to follow. And so, in doing this, I don't think it's a nerfed thing at all. I think it's more like hunting like there's a lot of stuff about this that feels like hunting because for, while there are a bunch of quality and life improvements to make things that were annoying just annoying for no reason before a lot easier especially for the late game hunts you have to be fully prepared like a lot of the time i spent playing the game i actually finished the main story of it last night like uh, towards the end of the game a lot of the stuff you're going to be doing is not actually going out on the hunts for the monsters you need to kill it's going out on hunts to get the stuff that you need, the armor and weapons that you need to kill the monsters you're going to kill. Because if you just run into it with the same loadout used for everything else, you are going to get massacred. Okay, so here's... Um, so so Griffin's obviously like an old master at this. Justin um, has not really enjoyed a Monster Hunter game until this one. Is that fair to say, Justin? Yes, and I have, I have tried. I've had people who know the game literally looking over my shoulder. This past okay. this past so E3 that's... was me and Pat Gill uh, doing yeah. local multiplayer sessions of Generations with Justin. Like, okay, so you get your paint berry out, and then and it didn't, didn't and, work. and they weren't frustrated with me. Like Pat's Pat's final thing when I gave up was like, yeah, it is like that. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So I, so I, get I guess it. the question here was like, when you started playing World, was Griffin like over your shoulder walking you through it? No, no, I didn't even have to Google at first, which is wild because I was doing that constantly with with Monster Hunter. If you pay attention to what it's telling you and like don't get obsessed about all the things that you don't understand, just focus on the things that like you need to understand, like and 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 not worry about additional systems until you need an edge. Uh, or you're bored and you want to like vary what you're doing. Like, I don't think sure. that you need. Yeah. Those, those things, that. That, those things that are a little bit more complex are like percentiles of support on top of your skill or whatever. Um, like the, the, the bulk of the game is finding a weapon that clicks for you and then using it to kill monsters. And if that's all you do, that's, that should get you where you need to be, especially in the early, like low rank stuff. But once things yeah. start getting a little bit tougher, then you do need to kind of drill down I, into, into some I stuff. I wonder Justin, whether you would have had the same experience had you not had that, like hand holy experience with mon the other monster hunter game because i 
played this essential i played like for a half hour 45 minutes alone and have never really played a monster hunter game before and i found it like extremely overwhelming uh in terms of like the hud and the mechanics and everything to the point where like i definitely in order to try it again would need a guide either a physical person talking to me or reading online because like a lot of it although it made sense to me i found it just like in the way that like when you play an rpg and you get a health potion and you never use that health potion because you're like I want to save this for the next time I really need it. Like, I felt like I was getting 30 items every time I did anything and didn't know when to use them or should I use them or what they even did. Yeah, I, here's, here's that's the thing. Legit, I, to answer your question, Russ, I, I think that's absolutely, that is sure. probably a factor. Stuff like, there are things that definitely carry over that like like sharpness is a good yeah. thing. Of like, there's a meter on the screen that shows that your weapon is getting dull, and like there, that's that's like a carryover that I probably internalized. Um, and and definitely some like the weapons feel similar enough that I I remembered uh, from from last time. Um, but yeah. like it, it it the thing about Monster Hunter is it is not like any other game, and and it's that reason why I think it is kind of like a game you should really play and a game, even if you don't like it, um, a, a game you should check out and become sort of literate in because yeah, it, it, that's why the whole, I wanted the whole, you mentioned the, uh, the RPG thing, getting a bunch of potions and items and shit and not really knowing when to use them. So you don't use them. That, that is my experience in virtually every RPG. But the thing about monster hunter is when it was like created, the idea was like, what if we did that? But you had to use every, like you did not have that option because the answer to your question is like, you don't know when to use your potions or whatever. Like the answer is, like right now is it like when when you need to, if you are about to die use those items do not be sparing about it but yeah. but it has like a pace that is unlike any other game like sometimes you're just gonna have to go out on resource runs and go collect some stuff and maybe when you go out to like collect some stuff that you might need to make a you know a stockpile of potions you might find like a rare gem while you're mining and then oh okay well i'm gonna pop back to the base and see what i can craft with that so so it's not just like mindless farming like there are these constant 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 hooks uh that will will open up new sort of avenues for you in in all these sure. different directions in a way that I think is like is is really exciting like my my whole jam and if you've listened to this podcast before you probably know this is like really solid rpg progression hooks and I am hard pressed to think of a game that does this better than monster hunter um because it's just, that's in, that's entirely what it's about um one, one huge improvement is there's now a wish list so if, while you're at the armory and you're looking at like the different stuff you can craft down the line if you see something really good that you want to craft you can put it on your wish list and then anytime you collect a a, a a thing that goes towards those things it shows up as like a, an objective that you are, yeah. are working toward which is uh, a really really smart way of just constantly displaying those hooks and then like it's not all farming and, and grinding, though, because the payoff for that stuff is phenomenal. Like, the last few boss fights in the game are these white knuckle for a half hour. It sustains this, like, white knuckle, terrifying, if I fuck up once, I'm, I'm dead pace that if you did not put in the work to, like, prep for, you are going to lose. But then when you pull it off, it's like all that work then accumulates in this, like, hugely satisfying moment um, that is, that is like, unlike, unlike anything, unlike anything in games. Um, yeah. and, and the, the, that's always been true about monster hunter. But on top of that, there have been these layers and layers and layers of 
bullshit bullshit that yeah. uh literally exists for no reason at all they are just annoyances and if you talk to even the the franchises like most devoted fans it's like okay so here's like the 10 annoying things you got to know um and it's gonna suck every time but you do that and then you do these awesome boss fights and you you get these great payoffs and now a lot of that stuff has been sort of skim skimmed off um i i would encourage yeah. everybody to watch um pat did a uh, like a beginner's guide video on on monster hunter which because again like some of the loops are a bit arcane uh he did he did a like a 10 minute long video that sort of walks you through sort of what you will be doing when you play the game because i feel like when you're just dropped in this huge world and it is a huge world with tons of stuff to do it does feel like if you don't know what's up you're gonna just be stumbling around for a while unsure of which direction to go and and a video like that is gonna really really give you at least like the first few stepping stones you need before things fall into place yeah for sure but it's a great game like i'm i'm someday i'm uh, i'm in yeah. love with it and for grindy games like that i i feel like i would be i mean as we r- routinely say on this podcast these days if it was on switch and i could like play it while like half watching netflix i think it'd be much easier to like rock but the fact that i'm like sitting down staring at a tv and trying to um learn these systems makes it feel like a little more time investing than i'd want to right now but i i also know like given the fact that monster hunter as a franchise is not going away i just want to like get it like i want to understand it i also just wonder if maybe your relationship with it will be similar to what my relationship was with the dark souls with demon souls then dark souls then bloodborne you bounce off of it enough times but each time you learn a little bit more of yeah the the thing so that at a certain point you hop on and it clicks and i I kind of feel like a number of people i've seen hop on monster hunter this time are people who tried other versions of it and have done some of that legwork and now it's like oh well i've done the legwork and this time i i can skip that part of the learning phase yeah, yeah, I think that makes also sense. multiplayer was kind of rough the first like weekend that the game was out, but it's actually really uh, very streamlined now. And uh, like the community is for the most part pretty good. And like I, I would be I, I've hit a point where now like helping people out is kind of the main thing I can do aside from like going for a few last big pieces of gear. So I would be happy to 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 go on hunts with you because this this game How really are- shines in multiplayer. How are these games supported? Like I hear of people playing like 200 hours. Yeah yeah there's like what you you just keep unlocking like higher more difficult tiers of of uh mostly the same monsters that you've already that you've already taken down blue now yeah and and getting stronger so that you can like make it a lot faster for you to take those monsters out is just a just a non-stop pursuit but again that's not really uh anything new that is like you know destiny end game any 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 like rpg with an end game thing totally Speaking of big monsters. Mm, let's talk about Shadow of the Colossus, a game <laughs> that didn't come out this month, but we reviewed on Polygon.com this month. And, and also Chris is about to leave forever. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be gone for, for a month. I don't know if I'll be here during February. Maybe I will. We'll see. But I want to talk about this just in case, because it is a very, very, very good game. Uh, and, oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, it is a... I don't know, remake, remaster thing uh, by an Austin studio, Blue Point Games. And I didn't know they made it, this. What? Yeah. I, hmm. They're very talented. Um, and it 
plays exactly like uh, the PlayStation 2 Shadow of the Colossus. There are some tweaks there to make it a little more uh, enjoyable. There's a, a refined control screen control scheme option that like changes where the bunt oh my gosh where the jump button is <laughs> i am like really falling all over myself today um and they say that to navigate uh this big open world you like hold your uh sword to the sky and if it's in sunlight it points to where you need to go they say that that has been refined i did not have that experience at all there were still a number of times where the way it kind of branches out to fights is there's a big central open space and then you kind of get go down these paths and you have to choose the right one. Um, and I, on more than one occasion, went down the wrong path and lost probably 10 minutes just wandering, which isn't so bad yeah. because it's a very beautiful open world. Also, um, your character's name Wander, so like that's appropriate. Mm, what? Really? And what, what's yeah. the name of the, the horse? I didn't know that. Um, Arrow. Arrow. Oh. Argo. Oh. Argo. Argo. Oh. Oh. Is that what is that, Russ? That's what they That's sound what like. I, I guess can't, he's just like a like because uh, because he doesn't speak any known language. It's no. like a made up language. Every time he goes, and whenever he, oh my gosh, I think you were listening <laughs> to some bad speakers. Um, I mean, when I last played it, to give you an idea, it was on a PS two uh, PS two, and I was playing it on a CRT TV. Uh, yeah, I can't. So, I can't yeah, think about well, how this also got a PS. I'm looking at the PS three remaster that came out. Are they just gonna keep? Keep on doing yeah. these. Well, well so, but this is a this is a total redux, yes. right? This yeah, is not. That's the weird thing about it is, if you go back and you pl actually like watch the PS2 version, or if you can try your best to remember playing it on a CRTV, it has this weird effect where that game, because of all the technical limitations, the textures were very low res. You couldn't make out like facial features on your character. Everything kind of had this washy vibe. Uh, they overlit everything so it would blow out the light uh, in the distance. That way, uh, it didn't have to load things. So it was very, oh. it was just very like blown out, bright game. Um, and then you play this version of the game, which I, the, in the review, I compared it to like 1980s fantasy films. It kind of looks like um, Labyrinth or Neverending yeah. Story. So very, very realistic, um, but at the same time, fantastical. But it, it's weird how much a game feels different when you shift the graphics that much. And, and that, it's strange to say that because they tried to recreate the PS2 thing. It's not like they completely changed the art style, but by virtue of the power, like having the power to make a game look realistic, it has a huge impact. And the thing that I found this time around is it felt very fairy tale like when I played it on the PS2. Yeah. And when you play it now, it feels grimier and in a weird way sadder. Like it, it didn't feel uh, like yeah. quite as much of like a like playing a metaphor. It felt like oh, this is a person. Um, yeah, and it, it hit me in a different way. I I I don't know. I I find that really exciting that you can play that we have the opportunity to play both the games and. That they that they're somehow different, even though like what's happening underneath the the skin is like literally the exact same. Well, so the, a couple. I, uh, well, first of all, I want to say like you can play at a sixty frames per second. The original PS2 version like never came fucking close like to that. Yeah. Frames, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and and that I think makes a big big difference in how it plays too, and also supports the realism like concept. Sure. Like 
when you i mean he moves around like like nathan drake like that's what it feels like when you're running and jumping like you feel like you're playing an uncharted game and that makes yeah i mean that reinforces the realism thing but i would also say like yeah the level of increased detail not only on your character but on the colossi characters faces and arm like all that stuff really i think better i don't know if it better serves the thesis of the game which i don't really want to talk about for people that haven't played it like should experience it on their own but it it definitely you're right plant it's a sadder yeah that's that's i think we can talk about that in broad non-specific terms because a lot of the and it's interesting really about how much this conversation's mirrored in monster hunter world stuff i've seen from from folks who've never really played this game on on uh on twitter is like i don't I don't it's kind of sad to kill these monsters and I think yeah. I think it's because the animations are so much more expressive and so there's a lot more personality in in the things that you're fighting in both games especially in like Monster Hunter World when an enemy's weak they start like limping and uh in Shadow of the Colossus like you don't want to you don't want to kill the big dog like that's kind of <laughs> sad um and while Monster Hunter World is in in this regard doesn't really consider that it's like yeah kill him and turn him into a shirt shadow of, the, shadow of the colossus is like kind of completely about that it is complete it is explicitly about the impact you're having on the environment yeah. and and i think that's I, I don't know i think that's really interesting that like this is not just it looks better there's a lot of stuff about the tone of the game that i feel like would improve because things feel more things feel more real real like the things that you are doing um the like ethical questions that it raises about the things that you're doing have like a lot more weight because it it really feels like you are ending a life even if that life is gigantic and made out of you know stone and moss and stuff i think it is funny oh sorry go ahead go ahead i was gonna say it is funny you know making that comparison because yes they're both about giant monsters um but structurally like couldn't be more different uh, it couldn't be more different to the point where it's like it's weird when i hear griffin talking about like you know i want to grind to get more powerful to like see the next great monster like shadow of the colossus throws crazy awesome monsters at you back to back to back to back to back to the point where like you know and there's nothing else the that's there's it. nothing else yeah. like there's no yeah. cruft to it at all like there's no you don't need like potions you don't need to hone your weapon it's about like how do i conquer this monster giving the given this limited tool set and obviously a very different game but it's interesting because like i don't know time is short yeah <laughs> and i think for people that want to experience the idea of having like big monster fights this is like a mu- it feels like a much more honed uh, let's like, let's uh, th- this, com- this comparison so? is very clumsy no because that you that into it that that suggests that like the hunt side of monster hunter where you are going around and collecting stuff and like making better shit and like figuring out what kind of build you want to work towards and then sure, working towards yeah, that build no, is, I, yeah. is is work and it's not like yeah. it's really fun because that is that is the game i think any comparison between these two aside from the fact that they are big monsters that you maybe feel a little ethically torn about uh slaying is about as far as the comparison should go because otherwise it is it is fucking apples and oranges i yeah. I, I i do see what fresh means though in the sense that the I think the average person, if they're like, I want a video game where I hunt big monsters. Ironically, the, what the art of Monster Hunter is, I would 100% recommend this to pretty much everybody who is a casual person. If 
they if that was the description they told me i think if somebody said i was really into uh collecting things and uh the intricacies of rpg systems and like questing i think monster hunter world would be the jam i think the only thing I, you're right they're totally different but because the name of the game is monster hunter i i can see how people might be a little confused it's not honey saw... honey seeker <laughs> yeah um but anyway the, the, the one other thing that i did want to say that's kind of connected to this is the what i also enjoy about playing this game now after having played a long time ago is i feel like these big risky art project games of that period are getting i feel like people are finally starting to borrow some of those ideas again um and by that i'm, I'm talking about shadow of the process <laughs> but i'm also talking about no more heroes um do y'all remember that the suit of 51 game yeah, yeah of course they're like making a, a new big one. open world and there's nothing to do in it and it was this like weird period of time where everybody to make an open world game didn't mean that you had to pursue like perfect uh hyper realistic graphics which in turn because it costs so much to make something hyper realistic you have to fill it with a trillion things to do to like net a certain amount of value out of your game like you could make an open world game and the design of the open world could be as purposeful um and uncluttered as like a a, a tr you know traditional linear game and I, I feel like we're seeing a little bit more of that i feel like we're seeing a little bit more of like open world game design like not feeling like they have to have a mini map that is covered in things to do or at least not have a screen that's covered in just junk yeah. um and it's so refreshing going and playing something like this that doesn't have those expectations and does feel like it has this holistic sense of purpose in its design and it's not afraid to have an empty world and like the the point is that it has an empty world I, I that, that you are making actively you are making actively emptier like yeah, and that's, yeah. that's that and that's what the game's about um, um i do feel weird uh, just to go back to the realism thing real quick it's yeah there's something about the main character and i've only played like the first couple colossi but there's something about the main character's like face i don't know it makes me feel very uncomfortable I think it's because of that fairy tale thing that you were yeah, talking about, Plant, it. which is like when I think of him as a hero in the past, he was like an I iconic, like, I don't know, a representation of like a man. And now you, this is this kid. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Very disconcerting. Seeing, seeing the faces the, across the board is upsetting. Now, the big question on everybody's lips is, are they also going to do a remaster of the 2007 Adam Sandler drama Reign Over Me, which inexplicably featured <laughs> yes. a lot of the original Shadow of the Colossus. Love that game in that movie. Um, <laughs> very sad. It feels weird deciding what the best game of the month is, because Shadow of the Colossus is one of the best games of all time, but mm. is the re does the remaster get that right. also? I like... I yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, DQ it, to be honest. One, because it's yeah, not Yeah, I think this that's month, a fair... But two, I, I, in terms of like the conversation at the end of the year, we can bring it up there. Um, but I, I'd rather it be something that we can talk about that's brand new. But I would second Chris Plant's note, which is to say, like, if you own a PS4 and haven't played this game, holy shit. Yeah. Lucky, play lucky this you, game. yeah. It is really phenomenal. And, and if you, especially if you, like, bounced off of... Uh, what cat dog game what was that game called trico trico what is it Tri the, the yeah last trico guardian. the game last guardian yeah last guardian thank you if you bounced off of that um 
I think this is by far my favorite of his of the trilogy. Um, and I think it nails a lot more of what it was trying to do than Trico the game did, in my opinion. Um, my my votes for for Monster Hunter. I think it's a I yeah. think it's a masterpiece. Uh, yeah, it's a slam dunk. I'm in love with it. Uh, Subnautica is very cool though, and well worth your time. Uh, if you if you want to check it out, I mean, um, all, all these games are. It was a fucking. It was a killer month. Was I know what I said at the uh, beginning, but it was. A I good, do want to say one month. thing about Subnautica that I meant to mention during it because it was, and it, it's actually really. It's kind of a funny problem, but because it's been in early access so long, um, a lot of guides and videos for this game are completely useless. Like, they're completely <laughs> helpful. I cannot tell you, like, three or four times, I was like, where the fuck is this thing? And I would follow a video for several minutes until I realized, like, wait a minute, this UI looks pretty different from the one I'm used to. It's like, yeah, this is called a different thing. It's in a completely different world. And also, all the water is jelly beans. It used to be jelly beans, and now it's water. <laughs> That that sounds like a better game. Sounds fun. Me. Yeah, it does sound good. So Boy is Bob two, the open world. Boy is Bob. Well, it'll be Boy is Bob three. Thank you. Um, so are we doing Monster Hunter? I yeah, I would vote for Subnautica personally because Monster Hunter still hasn't clicked for me yet. But uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm I, fine I, I with that. Say the same thing. Okay, let's make a run. Oh, yeah, oh, I, I, I like Subnautica a lot. Um, I think Subnautica is really cool. I I I think Subnautica does something in a survival game that like i haven't really experienced in a very long time which is a you were talking about satisfaction i think it's extremely satisfying to explore and b i did not feel like i played for two or three hours and did not need a guide and for survival games not requiring a guide for the intro is like a really fucking well-designed game yeah um yeah I, my, my only problem is i haven't played it which it's the only it's the only we game do of kind of do a thing where we say like hey what games are we doing so we can all kind of like play them and have something well to add. here's the problem is i was Monster playing Monster Monster yeah, right. yeah also the bigger thing that it's three to one yeah yeah, yeah. no I, I'm, I'm i'm fine to Find well, I, I, I think I, something tells me Monster Hunter World will show up. In our, yeah, in it would year, have to be uh, a episode. it would have to be a fucking good year for me not to like try to get Monster <laughs> yeah, Hunter World. Yeah, to it be. also seems like it's not gonna be that year. Yeah, hey, if this is a fun thing we can do in our January episodes. Uh, 2018. What's uh, what's, uh, what's going on here? Because <laughs> and I think maybe this is an expectations thing because 2017 was. Uh, fucking was fucking great and it's gonna be i mean with the switch launch and like pretty much most of the games we talked about in the year end thing had some switch version of some kind or were switch ex exclusives i i don't i'm worried that we're gonna hit that sort of nintendo year two slump a little bit um but i don't okay. think i mean we you're not gonna have a zelda but like, i'm gonna hit i think i'm gonna hit a gonna quick a list provided to me by uh partner site ign uh, partner site in the sense that I'm reading this and please don't sue me. Uh, but they've collected this data handily. Just some games that might a way out is coming 2018. Anthem. That's the zombie one. No, a way uh, out is Anthem, the Anthem was delayed. Anthem got Anthem delayed. was delayed to spring 2019. But okay, so thank you IGN for <laughs> shitting the bed. Um, um, uh, oh, Red Dead, Red Thieves. Dead Redemption Two, Sea of Thieves, Red Dead Crackdown. Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Kingdom Dark Siders Three, maybe uh, Metroid Prime coming out this year. Oh, maybe I would doubt that. That, but Detroit uh, Become Human. I'm kidding. Please don't say anything. Far Cry uh, Five. Always Kingdom good Hearts. For... Kingdom Hearts Three. I don't know about Far Cry Five. Um, okay. Shenmue Three definitely coming out this year. <laughs> God, God of War. Huh? Huh? 
I think it's too early. Uh, it is too early. I don't I'm, think in January of last year we knew. Well, we, we knew, knew about, about the Switch. Zelda, shit, yeah. uh, game of the year, future game of the year, uh, Marvel's Spider-Man that's coming out. Oh, yeah, that looks good. Great. It looks great. Looks great, sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and all the Microsoft game. exclusives. Yeah, it's, it'll be all right. It could happen. I, I, here's my prediction. <laughs> Half of everything that you just listed will get bumped to 29. Thank you. Yes, that I sounds agree. About right. I, 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 pretty much nothing. I, I feel like we've seen at recent E3s feels like it's coming out this year. I, would, I, I'm hoping it will. Here, here's my other prediction, though. Are you ready for this? Mm. Four big, like big, big games will be announced and come out within three months of the announcement. They're doing that now. I yeah. think that's. I think that's what we'll see most of this year. I think Cloverfield, especially Bethesda. I think Bethesda are they, does Cloverfield that with like the game. Games. Are they able to do that because we're getting worse at our job? No, they're doing it because we're getting better. <laughs> oh, and, uh, sure. No, it's true. They they don't want the hype. The hype now doesn't benefit them. Yeah, yeah it's it also worth mentioning. You know, not to dog on on all old video game things, but you know they can kind of count on a certain degree of like. Yeah, this is gonna be the best game ever. You should definitely reserve it. And no, um, not so much. Yeah, that's. Not, I, I, we can also like uh, two of the last few years. Like my games of the year were smaller games that I didn't know even existed in January. Uh, like I'm thinking of like Stardew Valley and Undertale. Uh, and I'm I'm sure there's gonna be stuff. Uh, shit, War Groove comes out this year. That one looks good as hell. That's gonna scratch that. Uh, oh, that's the like Fire Emblem. Yeah, that, Advanced that's Wars the Advance Wars one that looks really really sick. Oh shit. The actual Fire Emblem Switch game. I'm very excited about yeah. that. Oh, I can't wait to talk into that one. Shut up, Justin. I can't wait. Check in. Yeah, it'll be a good year. It's called Fire Emblem World, and you're going to love it. it. It'll be a good year. It's just like not at... In 2017, I feel like in January, we're like, new Zelda, new Mario, new everything. And it's a little bit less obvious, I think, with the Oh, the yeah, and PUBG was like a total dark horse, too, last yeah, year sure. that no one saw coming. I think we'll have surprises. Yeah. I think there's going to be an interesting year. Cool. Well, that uh, will have to do us for right now until uh, next month. But well, we hope you will join us for that. Uh, meanwhile, you can visit Polygon.com to read a lot more great stuff. But until then, be sure to join us again next time for the besties. Because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Let's see.